Listening Dog Media. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Hot Mess Mum. The mum most likely to send her kids to school in regular clothes on non-school uniform day. The mum who forgets to sign the permission slip for school trips. The mum who has probably put leftovers in her kids' lunchbox on more than one occasion. But most importantly, the Hot Mess Mum is actually rocking it and is doing a far better job than even she thinks. Please welcome our Hot Mess Mums, telling it as it is, Kelly and Jenny Powell. It is the Hot Mess Mums Club podcast. I'm Kelly Pegg. And I'm Jenny Powell. Now, we're Hot Mess Mums, but we've got a Hot Mess Mums son, as it were. And can I say he's his son? Because he looks like he could be a son. He looks that good. I actually said to my mum, I said, Mum, speaking to Jeff Brazier today, she said, that guy just does not age. <laughs> so um, at last we've got him. It took a while. I've been hounding him for months. <laughs> Um, he's chuckling away but ladies gentlemen mums dads all carers all parents it's jeff brazier this season is sponsored by kuka if you aren't keen on the water in your area this genius tap will help transform its taste and get you drinking more they dispense boiling water to speed up making hot drinks too and can give you refreshing carbonated sparkling water in seconds with just a twist of the handle it's unbelievable it really is like a miracle and they taste better than any sparkling water you can buy. I love it. To learn more about Kuka, visit their website, kuka.co.uk, spelled Q-U-O-O-K-E-R. The Hot Mess Mums, Kelly Pegg with Jenny Powell. Hello. Jenny, Jenny, thanks so much for, for your patience and, and <laughs> having me on. Um, I did really want to do this, but yeah, you were hassling me round about the time that I was separating, I was selling a house and, and it was a... Uh, yeah, there was some some turmoil to be fair, and you just kept sort of. Yeah, any chance we can do this podcast? <laughs> um, I'm so sorry, Jeff. I mean, now I know, but at the time, yeah. oh, and it was awful because I was actually I was like a bit of a groupie. And you were like, "Will you just go away, Jenny? You don't realise my life is turning round and going upside down as we speak." Well, when we say upside down, you know, it's just it's just shifting and changing, isn't it, Jeff? just transition Jen really isn't it it's yeah. out of one thing and into the next and I've, I've got to be honest I, I love what I've landed in like if we're talking about the house move in particular I've come from living in the middle of nowhere in the countryside because I wanted to keep my kids out of trouble which doesn't work by the way so you know being being stuck down 15 minutes of country lanes now all of a sudden I'm next to a, a, an underground station and I can't tell you the transformation uh, when you're actually accessible uh, when you're in amongst everything and it doesn't take you half hours to get everywhere. 
Um, so, you know, I'm so grateful for, for that as, as a first instance. But yeah, improvements across the board, really. Yeah. And you, you're all right, because I know it, it can be a lonely place. Having having had sort of two kids and being divorced, but mine were quite young, really young, actually, as opposed to the boys, you know, now. Um, you know, it can be a, a lonely place. Everybody sort of like it's this ripple effect, isn't it? It affects everybody, all your friends and your family, etc. Um, and they're all very sort of like doting, etc. maybe, and maybe a little bit too much. But as much as you have all that support sometimes around you, you're still in a in a weird and lonely place, and that's something that you just have to, you know, in time you you uh, you deal with, don't you? I've always found the weight of responsibility quite um, quite lonely. Um, so you know, when when the boys lost their mum, obviously uh, it's what now nearly fifteen years ago. Uh, very very soon to be fifteen years. Ever since then, I guess I mean there's always responsibility as a as a as a co-parent, but then when it rests squarely on your shoulders uh, and you feel like also the the sort of uh, the nation is kind of watching and hoping that you don't mess it up because we care about these boys and we want them to be okay. Um, so I've always I've always felt a little bit like that, and actually that increases when things are perceived to be going sort of um, wrong or getting more challenging, which. Um, it's certainly the case when your kids get a little bit older and they're, they're entitled and they're meant to make those mistakes. But um, I think what I needed to, to learn at a point was that actually um, it's not all on me because a lot of it is their own free will and I don't actually control every move that they make, every bad decision. Um, so, so that was quite freeing, actually, to sort of step back from the, re- the responsibility of that because I do think we apportion a lot of pressure on ourselves as parents and I don't think it's necessarily helpful obviously you can go to the, the opposite of that is to, to not care enough and to be a little bit sort of neglectful and um, you know it's de- definitely never going to be the case but you can definitely be the, the the other end of the scale which is to to actually feel like it's on you every time they do something wrong and that, that's almost denying them the right to learn from the lessons um, from the mistakes that they're making it's that's so so true and I, and I think I, I think every parent listening to this when it goes out will really be able to relate to what you've just said I have a friend who's a life coach and she talks about we don't own anybody or anything and, and nobody owns us and that's the same with our kids like we can love them but we don't own them and when we start to accept that and have that kind of work on this idea of non-attachment which is really hard it actually helps with letting them make their mistakes and and their own decisions and not always blaming us when it goes wrong but it's it's so difficult isn't it because we always want their life to be perfect but that doesn't exist no it doesn't but I love that I mean transition is definitely the theme for me and that will be picked up through this um, conversation I'm sure but transition not just in relationships and in environments but also with the kids and in terms of how I view my role in their life Um, I'm having a quiet week as far as they're concerned because they haven't been here they're sort of doing 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 bits and bobs so um I think at first during that transition it can feel you know and I've spoke about um loneliness and how all of a sudden they were there and they're you all and everything and they're, now they're not <clears throat> but actually now I'm really enjoying the space uh really enjoying the, the the sort of the fact that the house is really um tidy and it's staying tidy and um and I and I don't feel like oh there's something that I should be doing for them or with them um, to release yourself from that is so freeing. But again, there's a permission that comes with it and you don't get there overnight. I, I, something that I've had to work on and I think something that I have just gently meandered my way towards. And 
I love it. I love this feeling that I have now because I, I've, I've literally released myself from that sort of um, non-verbal contract of, of, of feeling or taking complete responsibility for how they're doing. Um, they're 18 and 19. It's on them now. Um, I'm always there to support. And I posted something the other day about, you know, always been holding my kids, but I just hold them in lots of different ways, as all parents do. Um, but there's a time to, as I say, uh, uh, to stop stepping into the space and filling the space that you need to really vacate and leave them to step into to start being, um, you know, more conscious of the decisions they're making and, and more accountable. Um, so, yes, yeah, stepping back, put simply, is something that I've been doing. As I say, it's gradual, um, but it's, it's a really lovely destination where you, you feel like um, I can just focus on me a little bit more without guilt. There you go. That's, that's important because, you know, we love a little bit of guilt. And I, I think it's a slow relinquishing of, 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 of guilt of, uh, no, I can't do that. Because sometimes we probably use it as a, as, a, as, a, as a means to hold ourselves back from actually focusing on ourselves. Because that's quite difficult, isn't it? That, that, there's, there's lots of stuff in there that we haven't dealt with that, that we need to look at. Um, so we can be guilty of holding on to those children um, longer than we probably need to. Yeah. Oh, we're both guilty oh. of that in so many ways, aren't we? Uh-huh. I mean, mine are a lot older than Kelly's, but even with Connie, you know, she's she was 22 in January, Jeff. And I'm still like messaging her every day, messaging her. And then, you know, if she doesn't, I'm like, well, what's happening? Or she, she'll be sort of messaging me saying, mom, what shall I do? What about this and that? And I thought, oh, no, wait a minute, you're 22. And I'm thinking, why am I, do- why am I doting on her so much? And is it because, you know, I, I am uncomfortable um, with not having that guilt? Do I quite like it? The fact that, you know, I still have this responsibility. Well, I've made myself feel like it. And she's 22. You know, and when I look back at when I was 22, I don't think my mum, you know, I'd moved out. I would, you know, I've been working for like four or five years already. And, you know, I was completely independent and kind of rang my mum about twice a, twice a month, you know. Have you spoke a lot about the generational differences in, in terms of for what we experienced, which we probably perceived to be doing things the hard way, we wanted to give our kids a different experience and we've made it slightly too easy for them or we've done too much? <laughs> Bit of both, if you ask me. But yeah, we, we, we've sort of touched on it, haven't we, Kelly? Yeah, definitely. Because you're in a different place, aren't you, Kelly, with it all, with younger children, I think. But you can see what's coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can. I mean, I was... So, Jenny, your mum's 90, isn't she? Uh, so, the same age as my nan, so my nan brought me up. So I had more of an old fashioned upbringing. So very different to, you know, obviously what I give my kids. Um and yeah, it's hard. My daughter's nine, my son's five. I'm very protective over them, really protective. And it is, it's really difficult, isn't it? Because there's a lot of stuff when I was growing up that I don't want them to go through. So, um, you know, um, I think you, like you were saying earlier about the stuff with ourselves that's coming out as you get older, um, you know, there's a, I think there's a lot of stuff that sometimes shows itself again from when you were a younger person. Um, it all affects everything, doesn't it? Every time we're a product of our environment that we've grown up in. So naturally you're going to parent in a way that you're still parenting your inner child a little bit almost. It's, yeah. uh, 
it's like you can chuck yourself into the mix of your nine and five year old and um, you're you're keeping them safe in the way that you wish you were kept safe to an extent yeah um, but I suppose as we go along maybe we learn to just sort of taper that back a little bit because their experiences are not our own because they don't have the same parents as as you did yeah, yeah. Um, so you're you're gonna keep them safe because uh, not to make assumptions but because there is more peace and calm uh, around um the the environment that you're creating um but yeah again I, I always think of i think visually and i think of scales and i think of you know we we experience in our childhood one end of the scale so we we sometimes instead of coming to that really nice kind of sweet spot in the middle that middle section we we sort of go through that to the other extent um and it's not to say that we're recreating the same childhood experience but we might actually be then uh, do you know what? You can tie yourself in knots worrying about what we're leaving on our kids. Um, the ideal, I think, I, I would imagine the ideal upbringing is one where it's not about what you're bringing to the table, but but actually it's about the the, the environment you create and the, the safety of the space. Um, you know, can they share vulnerability? And, and do you know what? I always think as parents – what I've learned anyway through being sort of as far down the line as I am with, with my two is that really all I ever was, was a menu for them to choose from and, and just to be a good example. So they'll pick certain things that they like about you know, dad does this and that's pretty good. And I can see why that benefits them. A lot of this is subconscious. They're not sitting there actually evaluating. What do I want to choose from dad? But a lot of it will be sort of nature. You know, they'll have inherited um, lots of mum's traits and, and some of my stuff will be in there. But I think, you know, with putting too much pressure on yourself, I also think we talk ourselves up too much in terms of giving ourselves too much credit as to how we've brought our kids up. Um, my point with that is that I think that your kids do a lot more of that than they actually realise. I think that if you look at your own childhood, for everything that your parents were not, we had to somehow be resourceful enough to fill those voids and, 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 and find whether it's influences or role models around us, whether it's sports teachers, coaches, um, you know, uncles, neighbours, whoever. We found someone in the community that we looked up to in a certain way and thought, oh, I quite like that. Um, so, you know, not, not to say that parents shouldn't be proud of the job that they've done because it's the hardest job in the world. <laughs> but I actually think kids deserve more credit in terms of, uh, you know, it's a collaborative effort. We're bringing them up because we're responsible, but actually they're finding what they need from lots of different places, not just mum and dad or whoever they live with. It's actually, that's really evident, you know, you say that, Jeff, when they sort of get to those teenage years as well. I think, you know, sort of 12, 13, 14, it's when you start to realise that they are, you know, they are making their own decisions about certain things and they're, you know, choosing to be influenced or choosing to get involved in certain things that you might not necessarily have had any uh, say in whatsoever. And I've really, I really noticed that now with my youngest you know, she, there's loads of things now at 14 where I will say, wow, so uh, what, 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 how come you came up with that idea? And what made you decide to do that? You know, oh God, I've never been interested in that or I've never thought of that. And it's, it's really interesting. But when I look back, it is because like you say, I think I've always, you know, quite often I'll say, I don't know. 
you know and I think again a parent feels bad if you know if your your, your children might ask you sometimes oh what do you think about this or what should I do I actually do say quite a lot I don't know <laughs> but I don't think it's a bad thing and I don't think it's you know because like you say we we um we I mean, we're doing a great job, but it's not that good sometimes. But when I look back, I think, well, I think I gave her the environment to feel like not everybody knows the answer, but certainly it's worth having a try. But also, you know, sometimes mum, dad doesn't know. Um, so I'm going to have a think and I'm going to make my own decision on this. So I think you're just giving the environment to feel confident and safe to make decisions. Contrary to popular belief, I think that if we are the solution to everything or feel like we've got to be, um, then we are again we're denying the child the opportunity to find the solutions for themselves and what is adult life other than an absolute shower of of challenges and <laughs> yeah. you know it, it the, we we need them to be out of problem solve so don't give them solutions all the time like from any age probably mm. because you know this this the perspective that I've landed at now and I wish that I could as any parent would say, I wish that I could now go back and use all of the perspective that I've got to be able to to do a, a better job. But, you know, even as I say that, that's ridiculous. Um, I went from thinking that it was all on me to actually now feeling like I realise actually um, <laughs> you can't, you can almost not mess it up. Unless, again, unless you're, you cross the line of, of sort of being negligent and, and irresponsible you almost can't mess it up because if you are the sort of parent that doesn't do everything for your kids, you're giving them a load of space to find solutions for themselves. Um, and if you are the parent that typically or stereotypically great parent that's across everything and the answer to everything and, you know, takes care of every issue you'll have, you ever have actually in some respect, you're denying them the chance to, to grow and develop and problem solve for themselves. So it's really hard to get wrong, isn't it? <laughs> There you go, Kelly. I know. The I kids, will be, kids will be waiting yeah. at school to be like, get yourself phone, make your own <laughs> yeah. tea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're, they're extensive. Where you at? Why are you at it? Fix the boiler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun, Kelly, if you said to them tonight, right, you're going to make your own dinner it, and just and just let them let them work it out Maybe. yeah my daughter's very um I often say I don't know where she gets it from she's really independent and she's very resilient she'll come in and make her own pasta dishes and she does all that but I don't know quite wow. where she gets that from I think she must get it from Chris Moore she and she is a problem solver as well but she's got dyslexia so I think she worked out how to find her way around things if that makes sense um she's very good with stuff like that I mean I'm very very lucky because I look at them both and think they're amazing as you do and how did I get you and and how how are you like this because I feel like I'm falling apart most days Jeff and I don't really want to tell you how you got them because really you know that's another that's another podcast altogether oh, what's yeah. that yeah oh dear I mean obviously you're talking you know we're talking a lot about the parenting and 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 that whole adventure and that whole life but for you as well with that all going on when the boy were little you were dealing with being a an only parent and the whole side of it with them of them not having their mum anymore which is a lot of other stuff as well as just being dad right yeah and in the public eye as well yeah no, well ignorance is bliss in in one respect because uh, I didn't really know what I was dealing with I just knew that I was gonna really try my best because 
that that's naturally what you do for for your children you love them more than anything again I had a bit of a, a sticky childhood so um, I think that added to my motivation to make sure that they were going to be okay and that they didn't have the same sort of experiences as, as myself although you know they they wasn't you know no older than four and five and I was having a big experience that that I couldn't um I couldn't obviously help them to avoid so um, but I remember it's, it's interesting again naivety um I, I remember um thinking that I was gonna my the statement I used to make was I'm gonna try and help them to come out through their childhood as as unscathed as possible and I didn't really I've repeated that a lot and I wasn't really sure what the terminology meant but now when I reflect back on it uh, it, it was incredibly naive because I, I felt like my job was to try and bring them through this process called grief, whatever that entailed for them, just so they were neatly ready on their 18th birthdays to venture out into the world without any hang-ups or any sort of um, nuances, let's say, uh, because of that, that um, you know, that, that um, dreadful loss that they'd suffered. Um, really that, that wasn't my job. That wasn't the brief that was and is, and always will be impossible for any parent to completely deliver their children into adulthood. Um, you know, without, without the effects of loss, because for anyone who's experienced loss at any age, they'll all tell you the same. It it could have happened last week. It still feels as, um as 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 bad at times as as it does even though it's been 15 20 25 30 years you know so so that that was one thing i also had a bit of a thing going on that was as a direct consequence of my childhood i was really good at using the positive shield um to the world and that's why someone that come from the the, the sort of the beginnings that i had I managed to get on. Don't get me wrong, I've not had the loftiest of careers, but I've had a, a, a career that I'm really proud of because I wasn't really meant to get anywhere near something like this. Um, but I was incredibly positive. And I think a lot of us look at positivity as like, you know, it's you can feel positive, you can do anything in the world. When we get a little bit old, when I got a little bit older, I realised that by being positive with everything, I was, I was really, what I was doing is blocking all of the other feelings. So, um so it actually made me a lot less accessible and a lot less human to, uh, to, I guess, to deal with or to be with, because, um, if, if there was a dilemma, I'd just crash through it. And that's, that's great. Cause I think it gets you through certain difficult patches in your life. Uh, but then at a point when your life is actually quite steady, you then have to sort of look at it and say, do you know what? I, I probably need to allow myself to feel some of the things that have been difficult and actually acknowledge and sit with, um, you know, how that's all made me feel and the impact it's had on me later on. So I've had to work through a lot of stuff that I guess I just saved for later. Ideally, um, and if, if we've, if we're, I don't know, I guess had an upbringing that's conditioned us to be able to do this, we would share our vulnerability when and as. Uh, that little and often approach where, um, you know, I, I wish that I could have been able to have said to the public or to whoever, uh, at the time, like this is really difficult, and I feel like really overwhelmed with the um, responsibility of it. And you know, six months in, when all of a sudden grief literally sort of uh, picked them up and tossed them around, um, I wish I was able to communicate. Ah, it's changed. This is different. Like I thought, everything was 
fairly sort of manageable and now all of a sudden it's erupted and I don't really know what to do with it because um, I would have allowed myself to be a lot more supportive. Um, I guess being more honest and more vulnerable is definitely a superpower. I've realised that in, in sort of the later stages of life. But um, yeah, so I, I see how I did it and how I got through it. I see how there was a bit of a debt for me to pay uh, on all of those missed negative feelings that I didn't allow myself to feel. Um, but either way, do you know what, would I change it? Not really, because I guess, you know, you, you, you can only deal with things with the tools and the capabilities that you have at the time. Um, and I'm proud of all of us. I'm just proud that we have got to where we've got to in one piece. I think it's a real, it feels like a real success story for me. And uh, the biggest thing I'm proud of. It is. And you know what? Everyone else is proud of you. And I mean, to, to do what you did on a personal level, but then also to be such an inspiration right now and your boys about, you know, dealing and coping with all those things that happened um, is, is truly admirable, you know. And I think, you know, I think with the boys, I mean, they literally are model boys, aren't they? Model, model boys in more ways than one. But both Bobby and Freddie, I mean, when I've watched sort of your family gatherings and stuff and the way they talk and they're so, they have this amazing spirituality and this amazing karma, um, which obviously, you know, you've helped. I'm not going to say you did it all because I've just discussed that, but you certainly helped them towards realising all those really good qualities that I think a lot of people have lost now. And they certainly don't, the way the world is at the moment, they, they, they certainly, you know, it's almost like they've missed out hugely as far as I'm concerned. Um, so what an incredible, um, what an incredible place to be and what an, inc looking back, what incredible uh, achievement, you know, you, you've, you've, you've done. It's amazing, honestly. They're, they're strong boys, but also I don't want to convey to anyone listening to this that, um, that we're sort of in a really perfect position at the minute because it just simply doesn't exist. Um, and as much as, uh, the, the boys are in, you know, Freddie for me is, I think is the best person that I know or have ever met. Um, but he has lots of, of challenges, um, that we, we're always, um, working, working on, working through. But again, I, I as I've just caught myself saying that we, um, you know, maybe I'm there to support, um, but ultimately, these are his challenges to, to, to face now. And if I step back, he's more likely to probably um, face them with the sort of accountability and responsibility that he needs to. Um, Bobby, uh, again, as much as I think we all see EastEnders, we all see the great attitude that he's having there and how he's so, learning so much from all those wonderful actors and actresses. Um, and he's so spiritual. and All he wants to do is meditate and chant. He's been on that path for three or four years, you know, since lockdown. And that's all amazing, but he's still capable of being a Wally as much as, you know, we, we all are. Um, so, yeah, that is, I wouldn't want to sit here and convey like, you know, yeah, they lost their, their, their parent and uh, they lost their mom. And then 15 years later, I was right. I sort of delivered them through grief and now they're absolutely unscathed, whatever that means. No, there's there's a there's the real residue of grief that that is that is sort of you know still present for for all of us. It affects the way we do things, why we do things, and they're just two teenage lads that are going to make plenty of mistakes. And you know what? I'm all for it because I made a million, and ultimately that is how you get somewhere. Um, mm -hmm. The perfect path doesn't exist for them, and and I, I just I, I've helped a lot. 
I've probably helped too much in certain respects. And now I feel like I'm really understanding the balance I need to keep to actually be be useful to them. And that's not doing it all for them, as we've said. That is actually just getting out of the way and, and, and having some really clear boundaries and just being like, right, at this stage of the game, when you're the ages you're at, this is what you'll get from me. And if I don't get this in return, then that stops and that that, that isn't there. Obviously, the support... Uh, when they need it is never ever that that's unlimited um, but yeah they, they've got to, they've got to be empowered to work it out for themselves now I think and they are our hot mess mums telling it like it is Kelly Pegg with Jenny Powell we're shouting about the lovely stylish range of taps over at Kuka their faucets can help you save by only using as much water as you need making a great alternative to an energy greedy kettle in the home All you need is a single plug socket, a cold water feed with a good enough pressure and around 50 centimetres of space for the tank. My tank is tucked away under my sink and the whole thing is so sleek you wouldn't even know it's there. And there's loads of different designs for different kitchen designs too. Go and visit kooka.co.uk for more information and that's spelled Q-U-O-O-K-E-R. Kelly Pegg, Jenny Powell, Hot Mess Mums. What about you? Let's speak about Jeff a bit then. So come on, Jeff, you moved into your new gaff. You're doing it up. You're in wicks every five minutes, what I can see. <laughs> oh, mate, too much, uh, too much time in that place. Um, how am I? That's a lovely, do you know what a wonderful, wonderful and important question that is to, to, to be asked. And I am, right now I feel really content and um, balanced and, and just all the things I've been working really hard to be, um, you know, through therapy and, and all the, you know, just where you're trying to peel back the layers of all the unhelpful things and the years of, of not dealing with certain bits and bobs. I feel like I'm really getting somewhere with that. I feel aligned, right? So that's a really lovely thing to, to, to be able to say that I am. Um, I, I, I love this house. This house is, it's a base. It's convenient. It's accessible. It, I, I love it so much. It's like half the size of the house that we moved moved out of. And that's liberating for me because I think <clears throat> all throughout their childhood, what I was doing is working hard to provide them with a house that had a garden big enough for us to have a full-size football going. And when I actually achieved it, I realized they didn't even want to play football with me anymore anyway. They'd sort of gone beyond that. So I was <laughs> like, ah, okay. But living in the middle of the country, that was that was that was my dream. And now this is something that represents perfectly the phase that we're heading into right now. Being around, then being able to walk to a tube station, a gym literally being five minutes down the road. So I can't help but train every day. It'd be impossible for me not to. Um, so I'm full of excitement um, and optimism for what this place represents. I feel really good in myself. Um, I feel really connected with my friends. I feel really open and accessible so that, um, you know, I, I can attract new new things and new people into my life. Um, I'm doing myself a lot of good, like my personal sort of practice in terms of like, I just, uh, I've, I've been to the gym, I've meditated, I've, um, I've, I've had my cacao. Oh, uh, good. Which, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Have you ever done the ceremony? You know, the cacao? Yeah, yeah. I, I love it. Listen, are you still Manchester, Jenny? Yeah. When are you coming? Right. So listen, <laughs> full, uh, have you ever heard of the guys at Full Power? 
No, I'm writing it down right. now, though, Jeff. Well, so it's a full power cacao. So I've done a, I've done some retreats uh, with it. Actually, it's stone cold sober events as well as I think full power is the cacao, um, and stone cold sober events with the retreats that, that that I've been to. And these are very special people, and they're in your neck of the woods. So right. you'll have to connect me. I'd absolutely love to, but yeah. So all you know, I'm really happy with the the one thing. I, it's boring if someone just sits here spouting off things that are good. Um, I, I, I did a video on this yesterday and I was actually talking to myself, um, about the fact that I don't, I don't allow myself to give myself permission to stop like at the minute. So I've got, obviously I've got no partner. I'm single. Um, I'll go to the gym, I'll get home. The kids aren't here. And I'm like, right, well, I might as well just carry on working and being productive and doing things. Um, and I can do that literally. And last night I was doing, I was up till about half one and I enjoy it. But I know that's not the right balance to keep. So that's my that's my little thing that I need to just taper back a little bit and just stop trying to do everything do. yesterday. Yeah, you've always got to be doing, you know. And I think, yeah, especially now, it's it, as you're sort of, you know, you're single and you have that time where, you know, you, you've got that extra bit of time. Yeah, you've got to give yourself a, yeah, you've got to give yourself some room. Give yourself some room, Jeff. The, the last time we actually saw each other really and spent some time together was like we were just working out 17 years ago kelly and wow. we did this show called celebrity wrestling i was just a kid i was just a kid and um it just seemed that if someone's offering you like a ridiculous fee and you you get yeah. to be active and it, it feels like sport and you get to hang out with amazing people like you for like for for a couple of weeks while, while you're filming. <laughs> lots of lycra, uh, lots of uncomfortable entrances into the studio. Oh boy, um, yeah, but lots of training. It was I, it I was hardcore, wasn't it? I mean, that's your excuse. You were young, and you know it was all the bright lights. You know, I was I was already a mum. You know, I was married, and I was like, I was like, what am I doing? But it was, you know, you you really did shine out. It was a great character then, a great a great person to be around then, and and someone who wasn't fickle, and somebody who wasn't that who had that that sort of showbiz facade. And I always remember that about you. You know, you were very grounded and you were very you know you were real and I, I'm always constantly through my 5,000 years of being around in this industry I'm, I'm always on the lookout and you know to spot them um, and you're definitely one of those Jeff and um, that's why I'm always looking out for you you might not know it but I am I appreciate that yeah if I was being reflective on on that I think a reason for it is that I had a bit of imposter syndrome like just that kid from the council estate I never I, you know, I went on a show called Shipwrecked and then next thing you know, I'm I'm presenting on T4 with June Sarpong and stuff like that. So it was a real backdoor entrance. And to be fair, it was a, an entrance into a world that I hadn't actually aspired to go into. What I would have always said is that, oh, that's for talented people. Or that's for people with more charisma or basically people that are luckier. So when I was actually doing it, I still didn't believe that I was worthy of, of my place within that industry, which I know is absolutely ridiculous because everybody earns the right. And, you know, the fact that I've, I've been doing it for over 20 years means that, you know, I must be getting something correct. But I wish that I'd, I I think I've only probably just started to be comfortable um, I never went to any, you know, the, the the whole thing with celebs is that you go to the red carpet events and, you know, your agents tell you it's good for you to, to go and get your pictures out. I couldn't do any of it. I just, 
I felt like such a fraud and um, I've never, I've hardly ever been to any of the, the, the parties or whatever else. Um, and I, I was going to say to you, it's only recently that I've just, but I haven't, I haven't really sort of. No, you haven't really. Now, really isn't it? No, no. I think this is your moment. This is your moment. In the words of Martine McCutcheon, this is your moment. Trust right, what's me. What's the next? What's the next? You have film, to get. A, I'm going to go to Square. Yeah, get your, your black yeah. tie on and get get on that red carpet, Jeff Brazier. That's what I'm saying. I, I'll and, be honest, and then, Jenny, it doesn't what? make sense to me now. Like, I don't no, really. Bit, bit boring. Yeah, I, I, I'm not. Um, I'm not infused with it. You know, I, there's there's other things that, that that give me a lot more satisfaction. Yeah, so. a nice pair of slippers and a hot chocolate. That's what I reckon. <laughs> but um, also SAS, um, who does? I loved you on that. We're giving yeah. you a bit of praise here and you're getting all shy, but yeah, well, I loved you on that. I think it was, I think you came across brilliantly and you really, you know, you really were, were quite honest about all your feelings, because some people, I mean, I, I could not do that show because I'm too afraid of like just being me, but I thought you did an amazing job again. And was that something, you know, was, was there a turning point at all in that show? Because it's hardcore and it does get you. I can appreciate that. That's why I don't want to do it. But yeah, because I don't want to be got... Um, uh, um, yeah, it got me. It, it got me in a way that I didn't. I I turned up, and again, if we're being really honest, sort of with my my ego was telling me that I'm going to do really well because, firstly, physically I'm up to it, um, but also mentally, life has surely prepared me to be able to navigate all of the challenges that that this show's going to throw up. What I didn't and um, wasn't ready for was that it was going to throw up that actually I can be a bit selfish. Um, I found that's right really, you, yes that's what yeah. they were talking yeah I, I found it really difficult to switch from um being an individual who's battling for himself which I've done all my life so that's so natural that so then all of a sudden they flip it and they chuck you in a pair they put you in a pair with someone that they know it, there's going to be sort of friction or it's going to be difficult for whatever reason um and uh and I just found it really difficult to to get out of the mindset of I need to go my quickest. I need to work my hardest, even if my partner isn't able to stay with me. Um, so, so I got, I got a lot, I got a lot from that. That was a really, um, that was a difficult thing to, to sort of be reflected of that, that sort of, um, yeah, I, I, I didn't know that, that I had that about me, to be honest. Um, so I, yeah, I've been obviously working on that since. But most importantly, when I said about being accessible, <clears throat> I would be the person who was stood there saying, right, weigh your burger, make sure you got the right weight. I'd be looking after everyone in that sense, but I'd be doing it almost just slightly outside of the group. I'd, be, I'd, I'd have one foot in it and one foot out, whereas everybody else is sort of in the middle. So what, what I realised is that when people found that they were um, struggling or they've just gone and climbed a, a mountain with like a timber log on our back. And I would almost sort of come, come back feeling like, again, using the positive shield that I had to convey strength. And in that would be no complaining, no moaning. I'm not standing there saying that was easy, but I'm not showing duress, right? And I'm certainly not showing any vulnerability. So when everybody else who is able to show vulnerability is like, oh, that was so difficult. They're not coming to me with that. So that group are all talking about how difficult it is and, and what they're struggling with. And I would be slightly on the outside. And that's where, you know, that, that would limit me to being as connected as I, 
desperately want to be. Um, so that was really important to learn. The minute I started actually, uh, I guess, recognizing that, no, this is really difficult um, and, and saying that, then all of a sudden someone's like, oh, good. He feels exactly the same as me. I can share this with him. And obviously that, that just that creates a bond and forge, forges relationships, doesn't it? So it, it was a real metaphor. Um, yeah, for, so it resonated in your real life. life. Yeah, absolutely. So something you did learn from that um, and it was worth, you know, just going through that hell out there in it because it was a cold one as well, wasn't it? But I was yeah. right, like, even in the, in the um, um, what stage they call it, uh, where you're being ter- interrogated. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're in there and it's fascinating how, you, you, we all make that judgment at the beginning that the the big rugby player is going to, you know, inevitably be the strongest and, and, and win it. And then you realise that actually there's a there's a mind in there. That it's the mind is the most important muscle when it comes to you know anything that the SAS is really designed to attack and and, and expose. And you're you're listening to the the noises in your ears and whatever else. And, and it was really interesting because I. I was able to draw on something from childhood and um, I was able to withdraw. And I just remember going to some really messed up places, but I could withstand it. And um, I remember just feeling like I was right over here in my mind and that the pain was, was, was over here, but I'd managed to go somewhere completely sort of separate with it. And um, I don't know, it made a positive out of, <laughs> out of, <laughs> out of any of the bad stuff that's ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I got, got to the end. But again, if I, I said I had to understand why I wasn't selected, because obviously that's the I guess that's the point of selection is to be selected. Um, and yeah, all those reflections were really, really useful. And I've been able to, to really sort of build on everything that I learned from that It was a big, massive mirror to hold up. And um, I'm incredibly that, that was a massive, it's like accelerated therapy. And it was a really big um, catalyst for improvement for me. Right, yeah. So you took something away from it. Thank lots, goodness. <laughs> Good. lot, yeah, lots of bruises as well. Well earned, well and, earned, yeah. Yeah. Do you know, I am really enjoying just sitting listening to you. I find you really captivating. Everything you say is very powerful and really interesting. And I, I'm just kind of sat back, like listening to you, thinking, wow, you know, and yeah, I don't want to like throw in a pointless question. And Jenny's doing a great job. You know, I, I just find it really interesting. Everything you're saying. Oh, one thing I'd like to really ask you about, if it's okay, is that we talk about the therapy because I've been talking to someone about having some. It's something I really want to do. I'm 41 and I feel like I'm ready to, to go there with it. It's not something that everyone talks about a lot because I think obviously, you know, it's a very personal thing. Um, but I think it is something that perhaps a lot of people do once they get to a certain age where stuff starts to spark and you think, oh, actually, I think I quite like to have therapy. I think it would be really beneficial. How you know for you what would you say to anyone listening dads or mums women and men out there that perhaps like you and I've had a funny childhood and lots gone on and then all of a sudden you get to a point you think I think I'd like to talk to someone well you know how does that happen because it's an interesting process right it is I think what typically happens obviously there's no age limit you don't have to be in your 40s to be ready for therapy but typically um, when we create a, a sort of a settled complexion on the surface of life that's when your subconscious is like right I've been waiting for this you're ready and it starts sending up some of the things that we've suppressed Uh, I don't think you ever get away with without kind of um, 
without dealing with these things at some point, or at least being offered the opportunity to deal with it. If you want to continue to, um, to, to suppress things, then I think you have to lead a different life to the one that is, is necessarily natural or healthy for you. Um, lots of people have to live a bit of a lie because if we're avoiding something difficult, then we have to tailor everything on the surface and how it works. Sometimes we are quite inaccessible as a result. We can't talk about certain things because if people go near something triggering, we know that that's bad because all of a sudden everything's going to spill out and we're going to, we're going to avoid that at all costs. So that is the alternative to therapy or you can speak. Um, and you can start to work these, work through these things sort of really, uh, I guess, patiently. And, um, uh, and when you do, you start to, I think, rebuild the path and the direction of that path uh, that your life's going on uh, in a way that is actually conducive to who you are today and not, um, not uh, I think, away from um, the, the, the things that you've experienced and the effects of them. So... Um, I remember for me, I'm, my first um, sort of uh, experience of therapy was with a counsellor that just sat looking at me, sort of just going, mm, mm, and I just, uh, I remember thinking, I'm not getting anything from this whatsoever. So if I took that as, a, as an assumption that that's what all therapists were going to be like, then I probably would have avoided it. But um, there was a point in my, in my relationship where I'd, I'd realised that because I've been fostered at an early age, I think it's really... Um, obvious that there's going to be some attachment issues around that. Um, and I recognized it in relationships. It was playing, it was playing out and always had done in that. I would really, um, at, at three years, I would absolutely bottle it just because no matter how good the relationship is, that would be far too scary for me. Uh, would I be putting a, another woman in a position where she's there one minute and then not the next? And, it's quite as it's as straightforward as that. We don't again. We don't consciously understand that that's what we're doing. We just convince us, or I convince myself that that person's not right, and they're not right for that reason, that reason, and that reason. Not not acknowledging that actually this is something very, um, something much more profound playing out. Uh, but when I went to the, the therapist that I still see today, I've been seeing her for maybe seven or eight years. Um, yeah. I don't know whether we're still reparenting, but th- that was that was what it was all about. Scooping up little Jeff, um, stopping him from, not stopping him, but just so instead of letting him make the decisions in a lot of different um, junctures of my life where if he's triggered and if he's feeling scared like he was when he was younger – then he's going to avoid these things and relationships and commitment were a big part of that. So I didn't want to continue to be the victim um, of, of something in my, in my thirties that I'd already been a victim of when I was, when I was younger. Um, So I knew that I had to take responsibility for stopping that cycle. So the whole reparenting thing was just about, I guess, um, letting little Jeff know that I've got him. I'm that safe container and that when it comes to things that he's scared of, I will always acknowledge it. I will always sort of hear it, feel it, sense it, know it, talk it through with the therapist. But, you know, adult Jeff will will sort of override and uh, and make the decisions based on who I am, what I need, what I want, what my kids need. Um, You know, so that's that's been, let's let's face it, let's let's, let's look, look at it this way. If I didn't start, with the pet with the um with the reparenting um then 
I, I, I wouldn't have been married. I wouldn't have got where, where, where I'd got to, certainly from a, a relationship point of view, in terms of being with someone for nine years, that wouldn't have been possible. Uh, I would bow, would have bowed on that a long, long time ago. So it, it made, it gave me the opportunity to do what normal people um, do, which is to be married and to try and have a successful relationship. And as much as that didn't work, it didn't work because of me bailing out and, and, and it being sort of about commitment or being about little Jeff, to be honest. So, um, so yeah, massive, uh, massive rewards for, I guess, the investment that I've, I've made both from a time point of view and a, and a financial point of view, because obviously there's a cost to this and not everyone, not everybody can access it. That is so interesting to discuss the fact that, you know, you do have a choice. That's what, you know, that is so profound for me that you do have a choice. You know, everyone could have therapy if they wanted to. And then you have to look at the reason. Are you, you know, are you one of those people who, you know, does bury? Because you are, you're burying certain things that have happened in your life and certain feelings and and burying, dealing with things. Um, and you become that person who does that or gosh, do you take a therapist on board or take therapy on board and then maybe change, you know, or definitely change the path of the rest of your life? You know, you got me thinking. Yeah. I'm a bit of well, a barrier. I, I, well, I, I would look at it this one. It's burying for me. It's I, I've been unblocking. So mm. the whole process is, is all that potential and everything that we are. And I've always known that there's some limiting factors and i know that a lot of it is 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 stuff that's happened a long time ago but to to be able to peel these things back and just chip away and to be able to unblock and refine so that i can literally mm. like my my actual uh, it sounds very spiritual what i'm gonna say but my like my cool. true essence my actual being to be able to shine out and uh, to be able to see that and see me unleash my potential. And it's not, again, people have listened to this and be like, well, go on, and what, what staggering sort of achievements are you making? Well, I'll tell you what's a massive achievement for me is to be able to go on social media and talk about these subjects yeah. without feeling like, who am I to speak about that? That's a massive thing Huge. for me to be yeah. able to host um, community projects, workshops, walk and talks without feeling like what gives me the right to self-elect myself as someone that other people might, um, you know, congregate around or follow their lead or actually turn up to something that they're putting on. That's massive for me mm. because I held myself back from doing all of these things that I knew I wanted to do. I knew it was my purpose, but I didn't have the confidence and the self-belief or the worth to actually, um, to actually perform it. So, so these are the things that I've been unblocking and it's, it's giving myself the right and the permission to be who I really am, despite the things that happened when I was younger. Well, Kelly, oh, I can, yeah, I, everything you say, I can totally relate to so much of that. And I think it's, it's brilliant and really, mm. really, um, really powerful as well. Definitely. And, and what stops you, know, you, Kel? What has stopped you? Do you mm. know, I just don't think I had a light bulb moment. Some stuff happened and it was like a, a trigger. And it was like, I finally realised why I was behaving in certain ways and allowing certain things to happen in my life that I've been a bit like you say, a repeating pattern. 
Um, and it made me really start to look back on why I'm like that. You know, I had no boundaries with people either, um, uh, which was a big issue for me. So I, my mum was an alcoholic, so I obviously had a whole addiction thing growing up. Um, and she, it killed her, you know, I was 19 when she died. And I think I'm a, a huge empath, a massive people pleaser, someone who's desperate to be loved all the time. But what I was forgetting was I wasn't really loving myself at all. And it was always just everything was about guilt and no, I'm not going to do that for me and I don't deserve that and blaming myself for everything and letting certain people treat me in really horrific ways. <laughs> I'm begging them to be in my life and it was ridiculous you know um and it was it was a light bulb moment in a in a a, with something and I thought okay I think I need therapy I think I want therapy I'm ready so I've started talking to somebody um about getting it up and going um uh and I know her so she's not going to be my therapist but she's going to look for somebody who she would recommend to be. And I'm really mm. excited about it because, um, and that might sound really weird, but no, I know. I think that's really, I think, you I know, think you should be excited about it. And that's, you yeah. know, just saying that in that positive way, you know, will help other people to think, to think the same, you know, and it's a positive thing. And yeah. like, you know, wow, your story, Jeff, it's a life changing thing. It Gosh, is. You know, there's so much that you have to offer. It's just, you know, and I've mm. seen the walks you do um, so much. I know you're a coach as well, um, obviously, with uh, an NLP coach, isn't it? Um, and you, you knew deep down that that's what you wanted to do for a long time. And now, yeah, and now, just like you say, you rightly so, you are the one that, you know, those people can follow and those can pe- those people can confide in and get something from. But, you know, that that's, um, it's almost, you know, for me, with somebody like you doing the, what you're doing, you know, it takes a lot, doesn't it? You know, but what, what gives back to you? I'm always coming back to you, but what, is it just the pleasure of giving and yeah. helping others or I, what? I, I see, um, I see, I, I think, and I just mentioned this to my friend who I saw earlier, just um, mm. having a nice balance between giving and taking. Yeah. Um, so uh, to, to, to give um, for, for a lot of people, um, I don't know, it might seem undesirable or, you know, something that you, uh, not everybody understands or realises how much satisfaction you can get from giving, yeah. but not necessarily everybody, I suppose, wants to, you know, that's not, not at the centre of their focus. Um, but I, I know that when I do these walks, I am always absolutely knackered afterwards. And my therapist always explains it because you're that container, that whole event, everyone is there ultimately because you've created this space for people to come in and to, to share and to connect and, um, you know, and for, it's, I wouldn't say overwhelming, but I just, as I say, I, I need to, as soon as I've done a couple of hours of, of listening to people and, and sort of putting that on, I always come home and just need like half hour to myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I do, I get immense satisfaction from it. Um, so I have a wonderful balance of, I feel like I give a lot, uh, but mm-hmm. I feel like I receive equally as much. And that's, right. I think how the universe works. Um, so that that's a nice balance for me. I'm I'm good with that. I'm I'm content and 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 happy with who I am as a person and, and what what I'm doing at, at the moment. So 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 yeah, I, I you know I think that everyone's turning up for these walks and workshops or whatever. They're doing me a favour because they're um, they're they're a part of me keeping a wonderful balance of uh, the things that I think are important in life. And I always you know we we have this. Um, 
in in coaching it often come up this the rocking chair sort of practice where you're um encouraging someone to actually sort of visualize sitting in that in that rocking chair at in their final moments and they're looking back at their life and and i've been there with clients so many times that i'm very mindful of it for myself personally but you know whenever that day might come like i i want to be able to look back and be really really proud of my contribution um, I, I've, I've, I've always, it actually seems weird for me to say, but I'm going to say what I was just going to say. And that is, I've always had a really good life. Um, even though there's been lots of, um, challenges, I think there's got to be in order to, for you to get the lessons that you need so that you can be grateful for everything and have a good mm-hmm. attitude and a good sort of approach to it all. Um, but I just, I think I'm really lucky because I, 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 I get, what life's meant to be about um certainly for for myself anyway a lovely balance of of enjoying things for myself a lovely a balance of of what i can help other people with and that feeling of connection and that feeling of overcoming obstacles that um that that can sometimes be a slow process so i'm really it sounds like I'm signing off, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> my, my, my review, but if that's where I'm at at 43, then I'm so excited for you know because that will only sort of increase. I will only get mm. better at having a, a, a better balance. I will only find ways of giving more, and I will only find more ways to enjoy you know all of the the, the abundance that, that that I've got. So um, so yeah, I'm, uh, you've caught me on a good day. <laughs> I have have a like right now. Off you pop to Wix. <laughs> yeah, I don't need to go today. Oh, don't you? River pebbles, they're so difficult to find at the moment. <laughs> river pebbles? Well, is that... a, I don't have a river in my back garden. I've got a path that I've made out of river pebbles. Now, if I'd have gone for beach pebbles, the smaller You would have been all right. They're all over the place. And I had those in my last, but I made a mistake going for river ones because they're scarce right now. So if you if you know of a okay. witch that's got any river pebbles, send them to me. I'll pay for the posting. <laughs> the Hot Mess Mums, Kelly Pegg with Jenny Powell. We're working with Kuka, but it's not just their boiling taps we're shouting about. Oh no, because adding the cube add on your tap will dispense crisp filtered water too. Honestly, I don't drink water and it's terrible, but I do now because the cube is so easy to use. And for you with the kids, Kelly. Yeah, it's perfect. Getting them to fill up their water bottles for school and everything. They love it and they love the sparkling water as well. as uh, And I do too. I couldn't be without it. Uh, find out more about the different taps and sparkling water add-ons as well at kuka.co.uk. Spelled Q-U-O-O-K-E-R. 